Welcome to HAF's podcast, That's So Hindu. I'm Sheetal Shah. Today, I'm chatting with Shreya Mahasenan, a junior at McGill University in Montreal, Canada, majoring in anatomy and cell biology. Shreya founded the McGill Dharma Society on campus when she realized there was no Hindu representation for students. We talk about the hurdles she overcame to create the society, the future of MDS, and her strong Hindu faith, which she credits to her family. Thank you, Shreya, for joining us here on our podcast, That's So Hindu. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on to share our story. Of course. So, you know, you founded the Dharmic Club at McGill University. Is it called Dharmic Club or is there a, a what's, what's the title of it? Our official name is the McGill Dharma Society or MDS is what we call it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump around um, and, and see where this conversation goes, but let's, let's kind of dive right into your story here. Let's talk about, you know, the founding of this club, what it took for you to do it and why you decided you wanted to do this. I mean, it all started with um, the fact that as someone for whom Hinduism played such a major role in my life, uh, pretty much from start to us, all, all the way until here, um, I came to university and was sort of examining my options for university and finding a campus with the Hindu Students Organization was a really big part of the options that I was looking at. Um, and as it so happened, I didn't find anything at McGill just for my preliminary searches, but I thought for sure there must be something, especially because I saw that there was an ohm in our um, religious offices logo. And so I was like, there, there must be some sort of campus organization for us. And I show up on campus and, um, and I'm looking for sort of any sort of religious or spiritual resources and found absolutely nothing. Um, and just to make doubly sure, I reached out to the office of religious and spiritual life. I sent them an email and said, hi, I'm an incoming McGill student and, and I'm Hindu. And I was looking for any sort of campus resources and they didn't have anything. And they told me that the best they had was a list of temples in Montreal, which, uh, for anybody who's not from Montreal are very decentralized and very small. There's not really a sort of centralized Hindu organization here. Um, so that was really disappointing. And, and I thought for sure there must be other students like me who were just looking for some sort of representation and didn't have any. Um, and kind of through the talks with, with sort of fellow Thesis and, you know, other Hindu students at McGill, I found out that there was an initiative to start the club two years ago, and they were rejected on, on several grounds, including the fact that they were told that they were redundant with the Indian Association. They were told that there wasn't evidence that they would have enough engagement from the campus community. Um, and so we thought those were pretty bad reasons to be rejected. And um, so we relaunched an initiative this year and I kind of took charge of that and decided to sort of rewrite all of our documents and really make it clear to anybody reading the documentation that we are a religious and spiritual organization separate from any sort of nationality. Um, there is a great demand on campus from, from students of Hindu and other Tadmic faiths to like look for some sort of way to practice their, their faiths and to feel that, they're represent, uh, that their traditions are being represented and talked about on campus. Um, and I'm happy to say that we finally secured interim club status this fall, uh, this winter. So is there a large Hindu and Dharmic population at McGill? 
Absolutely. And it wasn't immediately clear, I think, to anybody who um, who was at McGill prior to this initiative coming out. But as soon as we put the word out there that we were trying to form MDS and we put the word out there that we're finally going to solve this problem for Hindu students, um, we suddenly got an amazing response from campus. And we got a lot of traffic on our Facebook page and on our Instagram page and both within and outside of the McGill community and even beyond just undergrads. So we got undergraduate students, we got master's students and we got Ph.D. students saying, thank you so much. This is something that I've been looking for since I came to McGill and we finally have this. Um, so it was clear that, you know, in previous years when we were told that there wasn't enough engagement from the community, that was just because there was no sort of beacon for them to organize around. There was there was nothing for them to, to congregate towards. And so finally, when we kind of gave them an initiative and said, we're here to represent you, we got a lot of feedback from campus. And so I think in the last couple of months, we've We've been really pleased to see that we've been able to demonstrate that there is, in fact, a lot of engagement ready to happen on campus. Now, I have to ask, does like the Indian Student Association, does that still exist? And, and did uh, you know the administration kind of see the difference? Yeah, so it does exist. And I think one of the one of the things that served as the basis for rejecting us initially was that um, the Indian Swiss Association does cultural events, one of which is, for example, a Diwali the Mall. Um, but to anybody who actually showed up to those events, it's quite clear it's it's not religious in nature. It's it's kind of for people to go dance to Bollywood songs and, and eat Indian food, which is great, but it's not really what people are looking for if they're looking for, for celebrating the more religious side of things. Um, and, and that was pretty much where the similarity started and ended. Um, so, and I actually was told by the director of the uh, Office of Religious and Spiritual Life, which is called Morsel just for, for brevity, but um, but she, she told me that she had reached out to the Indian Student Association and they had distanced themselves from trying to create any sort of Hindu students representation because they felt that there was a lot of room for conflation and they didn't want to get into it. So it was clear this was a two-sided matter. We didn't want to be tied to singular nationality and they didn't want to be tied to, to us either. So as somebody who's also part of, of the ISA of the Indian Student Association, I, I know that there's no religious basis to that club, which is which is perfect. It's it's meant to represent all Indian students. We're here to represent all Hindu students, and um, so I thought that that was immediately clear last year. But but this year we really tried to to word it as we are not tied to a nationality, um, and it's really our goal to you know if if we have common festival celebrations, ours is really rooted in the religious roots, and it's for anyone uh, for for Hindu students to come, and also for other students to come and learn about really what the original traditions behind these celebrations are. So um, so we tried to make that clear, and then thankfully I think that went through this year. Yeah, that's great because, you know, kind of right now in today's, you know, activist climate, a lot of things that are Hindu are being conflated with politics in India. And it makes it a little bit more challenging when you're trying to explain the Hindu perspective and say, well, it's not really tied to what's going on in India. And I think it's it's, you know, what you guys did is fantastic because it's really important to point out that not all Indians are Hindu and not all Hindus are, are Indian. Um, right. You know, the Hindu diaspora is really, is really broad. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that we at HAF kind of recognized. And it was one of the reasons why we became the Hindu American foundation and didn't put India in the name because we wanted to be able to represent Hindus from a wide variety of nationalities, not just the Indian nationality. 
Absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite parts about our current executive committee, which we, we built a couple of months ago, is that we're not all Indian. Um, you know, so so we have some people um, who are actually from India. We have some people like me who are born in the United States, born in Canada, and and we have a member who's Bangladeshi. So so we're, I think we really already represent um, the the mandate of the club in the sense that we're we're really here to to bring a spiritual umbrella under which students of, of Hindu and other Dharmic faiths can actually unite and finally feel like they have a voice on campus. So. Um, so it, it's been really gratifying, I think, to to see that mirrored and, and to see that students are resonating with that message. Have you guys had any interest from non-Hindus or non-Dharmic uh, students who have just been curious or interested in what you guys have been doing? Absolutely. I think one of the most exciting parts about our initiative um, was that when it first started, we sent out pretty much a, a petition to, to the McGill community at large. And we're sort of putting it all over our, our campus Facebook, um, asking for signatures to, to show that we had support from the student community. So in addition to getting all of these students who were saying, oh my gosh, I'm Hindu. And I was really looking for this. Thank you so much. We also got a lot of students who were like, wow, I really have not had the opportunity to learn about Hinduism so far. I, I didn't even think there was anything that the campus was going to do to educate us about this. So, so this is awesome. And so we got a lot of, of uh, non-Desi students, non-Hindu students signing our petition and saying that they wanted our club to exist on campus. So I think we're really encouraged about seeing non-Hindus come to our events in the future. And we're really excited to finally have the opportunity to tell our perspective and our story to people who are willing to listen. That's that's incredible because there is a lot of you know, um, misunderstanding or just general ignorance about Hinduism and, and what the beliefs are. And so it's so important to be able to have Hindus actually explaining it to others um, as it's as we know it and as we live it and as we practice it, because oftentimes the way that Hinduism is presented, you know, specifically like here in the U.S. in terms of the textbooks, uh, you know, starting from like sixth grade um, up into high school. And then even oftentimes the way it's presented in academia at universities is very different from probably how you or I have grown up as Hindus and have practiced it. And it, you just don't recognize what they're what they're talking about. And unfortunately, all too often that becomes kind of the premise that non-Hindus think Hinduism is bad. So it's so important that you guys are doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I've always experienced growing up this, this great disconnect between the Hinduism that I've learned through, through my family and through, through my childhood and the Hinduism that, that other people have, have learned about and are the perspectives they're bringing to me. Um, I mean, we, we all know the, the constant talk about caste, um, the, the misunderstanding around cows. Um, you know, we, we've all dealt with this. And, um, and I think it's so important for us to sort of, to sort of show our perspective. And, and, you know, for example, one of the values that I grew up learning in my Hindu upbringing was, was tolerance and that, and that we do not discredit other faiths. We don't discredit other traditions. And, um, and, and it's really about sort of determining your own spiritual journey. This is something that I think really resonated with me from a very young age and something that I always respected about our traditions. And, um, and so you can imagine as, as a young child, bringing that perspective in and then seeing some of the intolerance that I was facing from, from my classmates and, and feeling this, this outsider kind of uh, bubble that I was being pushed into, it was really disappointing. And I think, uh, but I think, you know, fortunately it really brought me more into, you know, it brought me closer to my faith in the sense that I really held strong to this belief that, that if I'm going to sort of follow the lessons that I've been learning growing up, um, I'm not going to sort of hold any, any ill regard to other people. And I'm just going to 
you know, to, to push to sort of continue furthering my own spiritual journey and, and just continue to listen to what I know to be the, the Hindu faith that I grew up with and, and to not really let that be soiled by, um, by, you know, less informed perspectives. And so I'm really excited to sort of um, use MDS as a, as a vessel to sort of bring that perspective to the McGill community at large, because I think it's something that's really been missing. And I think that if we're able to show our story and show how we as individuals have been shaped by Hinduism, that can really draw a much needed line between that. And I think the greater narrative that's being pushed to a lot of people from non-Hindus. Yeah, absolutely. And now I know this past year has just has been weird for everybody um, with the pandemic and, and lockdowns and, and, you know, virtual learning and um, all, all that's gone along with COVID. What have you guys been able to do in terms of activities or in terms of programming at MDS um, over the past year? And, and where do you see it going? Yeah, so um, our immediate event that we're working on right now is, is something that we're really proud of. So on June 5th, we're hosting a charity concert to raise funds for COVID relief in India. Um, you know, we this is something that we really wanted to, to make to our first event because, of course, part of us being a religious and spiritual organization is that we really believe in, in, um, in using our platform to, to help others. And so um, we managed to get artists from all over the world for Karnatic and Hindustani music. Uh, so we have a violinist and we have vocals. My, my mom is actually a, a Karnatic vocal guru, uh, you know, who teaches a lot of young kids. So they're going to be performing to start the concert. And um, so that, that's our first thing. And so we're really making use of a virtual platform to, to still, you know, try and, and, and do something meaningful and impactful. And it's a great way to sort of get our, get our name out there and to also already start displaying the cultural side of our traditions, because obviously um, Karnatic music, you know, is something that I grew up with all the time and I know how rooted it is in, in Hinduism. And so um, this is a really exciting way to present, I think, a side of, of, uh, of Hinduism that a lot of people haven't seen before. Um, after that, we're really going to be planning for, I think, what's going to look like a hybrid semester in the fall. So, so McGill has committed to having in-person uh, activities on campus and come September, um, but we'll be sort of really, I think, trying to be responsive to the community and seeing, seeing what everyone is comfortable with. So for example, we wanted to host weekly sessions, either uh, go over, um, you know, common texts or scriptures or to maybe do weekly budget sessions. So these are things that we would, um, I think, reach out to the community and see what people are comfortable with. Um, so regulations permitting, we would love to have those things in person. But if not, then we'll also be offering an online alternative for people who, who would be more comfortable with that. And, um, and I think as the situation progresses in Montreal, it's looking very optimistic right now we would love to sort of bring some some bigger religious festival celebrations when it comes uh comes time for diwali and other other such festivals so um so i think we're, we're sort of planning a two-pronged approach and we're ready to sort of offer whatever people want to see this is after all a club to serve a previously underrepresented community at mcgill and we hope to keep that mandate going moving forward well, since you mentioned, you know, a couple of times that it's, you know, it's a dharmic club. So I'm mm -hmm. assuming, you know, you have Hindus, you have Sikhs, you have Jains, um, all kind of coming together. Have you guys thought about talking about, you know, um, where the, you know, the philosophical differences perhaps lie between the traditions in, in terms of, you know, uh, spreading knowledge within the community about, you know, how they differ uh, you know, kind of, they're obviously all rooted in dharma, mm -hmm. but there's slight differences between all of them. Absolutely. Uh, that's something that you guys will be doing. Um, yeah, for sure. Actually, um, the funny thing is this is a 
this discussion that actually came up in our first full executive meeting with the whole committee, because one of our members is actually um, came up in a half Hindu, half Sikh upbringing. Um, and so and so he was talking about, you know, how, how best can we handle this? And I think as a committee, what we decided is that it's important for us to, to highlight both how we're similar and kind of share similar roots and the, the differences, because obviously part of, I think, offering effective representation for these groups is we don't want to just throw them all together and say there's no differences, um, which which would be, I think, doing them a disservice. But at the same time, there is a really strong message of unity that we want to get forward. And so I think to to kind of control that narrative ourselves and, and to be the ones raising our own voices is, is really useful in this sense, because it allows us to sort of um, show this, this this commonality in the sense, the sense that we stand by each other and we don't see any animosity between between our different traditions and that we can really courteously and effectively sort of engage in discussions about about where we're similar and where we differ and um, and have these discussions. And, and I've already managed to have those discussions with some students from from other Dharmic faiths on, on McGill's campus. And I think to bring that to a bigger audience that consists of both people within and outside of these traditions can be something that's that's really useful and I think can really add a lot of education to the discourse on campus. Awesome. Uh, sounds like it's going to be a fantastic, uh, fantastic society there. Um, so let me hear just a little bit about your background, because, you know, obviously it takes a very special person, uh, someone who's very confident in themselves and confident in their Hindu identity to go about being like, this is what, you know, this club is missing and I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. Uh, so where did you grow up in Canada or you, did you grow up in the U.S.? Like, what is your background? Yeah, I was I was born in the U.S. Uh, shout out to Washington State. Um, and I, I lived in the U.S. up until university. So my family and I moved to Montreal right right after I graduated high school. But um, yeah, I mean, my 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 family has has always been. Um, you know, very, very rooted in, in Hinduism and, um, you know, both my mom's side, and my dad's side of the family, um, you know, are, are, you know, very, very religious and, uh, but in, but in a really good way, I think that something that really allowed me to get in touch with Hinduism very early in my life was that, um, it was always just an encouraging environment that my family provided me to, to really discover the religion for myself. Um, so, you know, I would talk to my grandparents a lot about the mythology and listen to the stories. And from a really young age, something just resonated with me. I think about this, this whole idea of, of finding, finding my faith within myself. And, um, and as a kid, I, I was always, uh, I was always sort of, uh, if I went missing, people would usually find me in some sort of prayer room, like, you know, uh, smelling some incense and listening to a, to a mantra box or something like that. Um, and, you know, I always loved sort of singing budgeons and, and doing all of that. And they all brought me closer to God. And, and it was something that I always drew a lot of strength from. So I never had any sort of, of crisis of faith or anything like that, because I think it was always an environment in which I was allowed to figure out for myself what it meant to be Hindu and what my teachings meant to me. Um, and for that, I really credit my, my family because um, that's, that's how they've all approached it. And we've always had some amazing discussions about the meaning behind our mythology or how our arts tie into, um, you know, to sort of the, the rest of our religious teachings. So um, that's something that I really carried carry with me throughout my life. And, and what's interesting about growing up like that is that I didn't always live in places where that was really mirrored around me. So um, for example, I spent eight years of my life in, in Utah and uh, for all the amazing things about Salt Lake City, um, 
there wasn't a lot of, you know, Hindu representation happening when I first moved there. I'm happy to say it's, it's a lot better now, but, um, but you know, I, I was surrounded by mostly students who'd really never been exposed to someone like me. And there was a lot of othering and a lot of, uh, sort of ostracization that I experienced and, and people just really didn't know how to, how to handle somebody being Hindu. And, um, and I think in the face of all that ostracization, something that that was my immediate instinct was to really go learn more about my religion, because I think I really didn't want to have it dictated for me what Hinduism meant um, and have anything be at odds with what I'd always experienced. And so this is sort of how I, I learned a lot more about how Hinduism is very tolerant about different perspectives, even within our own teachings. So, you know, people in the West, I think often just only think of Hinduism as, as being a bit weird for being a polytheistic religion. And yet I know a lot of Hindus who really think of it more as, as a monotheistic religion or as Brahman or, or really are more agnostic or atheist and are still just resonating with the philosophical teachings. And I think as I embarked on that journey, it, it made it a lot easier to deal with all of that ostracization because I took it as an opportunity to sort of teach the people around me more about what it really meant to be Hindu and to say that, um, you know, I, I actually, I, I don't think you and I are that different because I know that you have a different religion, but, um, but the way I see it and the way I've been taught, you and I believe in the same, in the same God and, you know, and sort of, um, and it's about really comparing our different spiritual journeys. And it's about sort of, um, finding unity in the fact that we're embarking on a spiritual journey at all and, and to really kind of ask these questions. And so there's always been this really beautiful element about Hinduism to me. And so even though I'm very openly a theistic Hindu, um, I've, I've found a lot of connections both with Hindus who maybe don't approach it that way and, and with non-Hindus. So I think that's a perspective that I really brought with me coming into McGill. At, at this point, my religion had always been a, a really big source of strength for me and, and something that I always came back to and always felt connected with. Um, so to have the opportunity to sort of share that with other students is something that I was really looking forward to because I didn't always find that my fellow, you know, peers in the Indian community or whatnot were, were similarly sort of tied to their religion. So it was really gratifying to come here and see people come to me and say, you know, I grew up in a Hindu family also, but you know, I, I got a little bit disconnected from my roots and I would like to learn more about the, about the religion. Um, cause I really haven't learned about it since I was, you know, five years old. So, um, so this is a really great opportunity to do that. So that's been, that's been really rewarding and, and something that I'm so happy to share from just beyond my personal experiences. But, you know, it's interesting what you said about, um, that, you know, ostracization and the need to go back to your, your roots, to your faith and learn more about it. At our, our recent gala, I don't know if you had a chance to join, but it was called Growing Up Hindu in America. And it's one of the points that, that I made was that, you know, our parents, at least, you know, my parents are, are first, first generation immigrants. They grew up in India. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the rituals and a lot of the customs that the Hindu rituals and customs, they kind of took for granted and it was just done, right? You didn't have to question it because you're in a Hindu majority. Everybody's doing it. But then you come over here and you put your kid in school and all of a sudden you're a minority. I mean, I, I grew up um, in Atlanta down South. And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, for a long time, I was the only Hindu, only Indian in a lot of my classes. And you realize that you got to be able to represent your tradition. You need to understand like, why do our, why are our gods blue? Like, why do they have all these arms and heads and, you know, these depictions, why is there a God with, uh, you know, an, an elephant head, all of these things that you know mm -hmm. are, are 
tradition has so much symbolism behind it and there's so much depth, but oftentimes, you know, we're not taught that at home. Um, a lot of children are not taught that at home quite often because maybe their parents didn't know because their parents didn't have to question it back in. in right. Um, but here we have to question everything because we have to understand, because just like you said, we have to explain it to people and, you know, yeah, we can't explain it and we don't understand it. Then it just, you end up becoming embarrassed. Right. And so you're absolutely right. Yeah, it can go either way. Yeah. Um, and I love that you mentioned that because I think that's, that's a big part of my consideration coming into the club was that especially when people are, are on their own in in a North American city, it can be really difficult to figure out how to practice our traditions effectively and, and, you know, how to participate in the festivals or how to do all of these things. Um, I was, I was really blessed to have a mother who was just amazing at carrying on these traditions from her upbringing in India to the, to the U S. So, um, I grew up learning a lot about how to celebrate festivals and I'm still constantly calling her and asking her, you know, how should I do this? How should I do that? And she's always there to, to answer my questions. And, um, I, I always had my, my grandparents around to, to help me with this as well, but I understand that not everybody has had that experience. And also, I mean, I know that for me coming to university, all of a sudden, you know, I didn't have as many resources and I didn't necessarily know how to do all these things. So something that we really were committed to doing is to figure out how to provide these resources to students who who want to celebrate their traditions and who really want to properly feel like they can, that they don't necessarily have to be in India or in their country of origin or to be with their parents to be able to do these things. Carrying on our traditions is something that is so important to a lot of us. And we're not often really told how to do that. And so um, this is something that, that, we, that we really hope to do for people. Well, it sounds like you're, you know, so super passionate about Hinduism. I forgot to ask you, what are you majoring in? <laughs> Um, something completely unrelated. So anatomy and cell biology and a minor in poli sci, but, uh, (laughs) I was expecting to hear like religious studies or something. (laughs) No. Um, yeah, I, I, am somebody who, I mean, I, I, I've always been interested in, in, in science, but there's always also been this, this background in social science. So I actually had the opportunity last year to take a Hinduism and Buddhism class at McGill. And, um, and actually it was, it was a really great experience. So I was there with mostly non-Hindu students. So um, it was interesting to kind of come in as somebody who was learning about my religion from, from a really academic perspective and, you know, and and for the most part, an outside perspective. Um, And I'm happy to say it was, it was a really, really good class. And it gave me an opportunity to sort of take a a very guided look through um, our texts and our history, which, you know, is is so vast and so diverse that it's, it's a little hard to do that on your own. So I was really happy to have a a bit of a guidebook for how to, to navigate our, our, our traditions and our history. Um, So, yeah, but, but apart from that, it's just been me pursuing an outside academic interest that's totally unrelated to cell biology. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just, I had to ask. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, I think your story just is so inspirational and I hope that, you know, other young Hindu Americans hear it and they're inspired to do something and they're inspired to go back to their roots and examine the tradition and find the beauty in the tradition. What would you say in closing to any of these young Hindu Americans who, you know, are either um, looking to start something uh, in, in, in their colleges or, you know, in their communities and might be having a hard time or maybe facing some opposition, um, you know, any, any words of advice? 
Yeah, absolutely. I would say for one, it, it definitely starts with, with confidence and in, in yourself and confidence and in, in your own roots. Um, I think that were it not for sort of how connected I've always felt to Hinduism and, and how I've held on to my faith and in, in the face of a, a lot of sort of uh, misunderstanding and, and misrepresentation, it would have been really hard for me to have finally succeeded in doing this. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of students, fortunately, are able to come on campuses where there is an existing Hindu organization. But there are a lot of students who are going to come onto a campus and have the same experience I did and find that there is really no acknowledgement of the fact that that they exist in such a vast religious tradition with a lot of members on campus actually uh, actually exist or deserve representation. Um, so I would really encourage if anyone finds himself in that situation to to be the person who is going to change that. Um, all I did was basically do a lot of research into into how to form a club at McGill, do a lot of research into what students wanted and how I could best represent our mandate. And um, and it took several months of hard work and then a lot of drafting and redrafting and a lot of emails that that went unanswered. But um, but we, we finally succeeded. And um, and it's been a rewarding experience from from the moment that we first conceived this initiative. So I would really say um, to anybody who so far has not found the, the resources or, or isn't being given that platform, create it for yourself. And, and I think continue to sort of really embrace the journey because part of us being Hindus is, is, um, is, is constantly, you know, you, you talked earlier in this podcast about, um, about having to, to sort of learn more about our own religion and how to justify ourselves to other people. But the beauty about Hinduism is that that's part of being a Hindu, that that's it's, it, part of it is, is asking those questions and continuing to sort of redefine spirituality for ourselves and really find what, find where we're going to derive our strength from our spirituality. Um, so I think in that struggle to sort of find representation, um, there, there is something that will ultimately bring us closer to our faith. And I think once you're able to secure that, that, that platform, and once you're able to really create this opportunity for other people to come and share with you, it's, it's just so rewarding and gratifying. And it's something that just keeps bringing a smile to my face. So, um, so I would say create that representation for yourself if you don't have it and, um, and just continue to have confidence in yourself and in your upbringing. Well, that's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute and leave us a nice five-star review. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. You can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at www.hinduamerican.org slash donate. And before you go, a quick message. The Hindu American Foundation proudly supports We Can Do This, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services nationwide COVID-19 and vaccine education campaign. Our community has been hit hard by COVID-19, and many of us need help in getting educated about how we can get vaccinated. Our organization is working hard to ensure our community has access to important information in our fight against COVID. Learn about COVID-19 vaccinations and get help scheduling your vaccination at vaccines.gov. We can do this.